Hi there, welcome to Trust is My Home. So um, today's episode is really a conversation about the single vocation. Is it a vocation? Uh, what is it? What does that mean? And what are the difficulties and challenges of the single life? I'll be having a conversation with my good friend Erin from Saskatoon and um, mostly pressing in with her for maybe a deeper understanding of what that means when we say single vocation and what are the challenges and blessings and how does that fit into the whole human family and the church community. So I hope that it is enlightening for you. God bless. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, Welcome to Trust is My Home. Hello there. Welcome to Trust is My Home. Um, here in Texas, in the Red House, we are ending our stay-at-home orders today, actually. And we just re- received word that, that masses will resume on May 5th, which is kind of incredible. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, praying for everyone. This is such a time of of transitioning and so many different things happening. Uh, But today I really wanted to focus on a very particular topic. And so I have joining me today, um, Erin. And Erin is a teacher in Saskatoon. She is a woman who is, I guess we would call her single. Um, She's living the single vocation, but that's really what we're here to talk about. I think that realizing especially in this time when so many things in the church are shit are shifting and shaking and and we're we're talking about a return to the domestic church and we're talking about kind of going back to the beginning one of the things that we would love to kind of articulate in the midst of all of this is it's kind of a place of belonging for those who are are giving themselves or in a kind of a self-giving life and a single life and um, maybe how we need to just, even if we can't have full clarity, but open up a conversation about what that looks like and, and maybe hear from, from someone who is living a life that is given to God in, in, the single, in a single vocation. And I, I almost like fear using that word. Um, but really listen to, oftentimes we hear people talk about the single vocation and they're usually either priests or religious our families. And so I think it's just nice to have a conversation with somebody who is my, and I myself right now am living a life of a single vocation, you know, and I've lived kind of in religious life. I've had experiences 
um, a kind of different vocations, live within a family for a year and a half. But I think there's something that's falling through the cracks. And at least we need to open up a conversation and see maybe we've had kind of just understandings that we never even thought about and maybe go deeper into what is this thing that we're talking about when we say the single vocation and um, is there a better word and how do we include people within the church who are living this lifestyle that they too have a place of belonging and they're not just like slave workers you know because they don't have anybody else to go home to you know so and that's kind of like a extreme extreme case so welcome Aaron and I don't know if you want to say anything else about yourself please feel free no, I'm I'm good. Hi, my name's Erin. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me today. So I first wanted just to talk to you because we've had a couple conversations about this and and maybe even kind of getting impressions of maybe a false understanding of of the single life. And so I just wanted to hear from you that when I say single vocation, what does that mean to you? Um, I actually find it I find it a little bit difficult that term just because um, just a lot of talks that I've heard talk about the married vocation, vocation to priesthood and religious life, um, and then like consecrated single life. But then there's this whole grouping of a lot of us, I think, who don't really know where we fit in. And I do feel that I'm living out of vocation and I'm honoring God with my life, but I don't have any terminology to use to describe that. And I actually find that very difficult at times. Um, you know, if I don't see someone for several years and I see them, they're like, oh, hey, so what's new? And I know as soon as that question comes out that they're asking me like, are you married? Do you have kids yet? Did you join a religious order? Like, it's, yeah. um, did you finally get out of the cracks and onto a real stable vocation? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I think there was just this one point where um, I was just praying about some things and I, I just had to ask myself like a really important question. And that was, what is it that I desire more to be married or to be a saint? And I really had to sit with that one because I was like, if God is calling me to sainthood, then he is going to provide the means for that to happen. And if how like I'm living right now is how he is calling me to be a saint, then I need to receive that and live it as wholeheartedly as I can and with as much joy and love and care as I can. Um, because I should, in my heart, be desiring whatever call that he has for me um, in order for me to become a saint, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm really struck. There's this beautiful quote. It's actually one of my favorites. Uh, it's in the compendium on the catechism. I think it's from Pope Benedict. And it's self-giving love is the essence of life in the Trinity. And it's by imitating that love that we become most authentically what we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just wondering, um, I mean, I, I know quite a bit about your life and I know actually so much of your life is filled with self-giving is giving yourself um i think that people can all mistake uh maybe that when you're living a single life like you're not giving yourself or almost like maybe they won't say it that that clearly but there's almost or like um you have all this time to do a whole bunch of hobbies and you know like all your time is your own is that kind of what you're saying yeah that there's there's not i mean basically there are and i and i actually am specifically talking about women and in this category, but 
I know quite a few women that are not married, not in religious life, but are pouring their hearts and like themselves out for God in mm-hmm. their, the world they're in. And they're not in regular Christie. They're not able to stay. They're just living a life uh, where they go, they give in their church circles. They give with the families around them. They are either, you know, they're in a place of giving. And I would say a motherhood actually. Um, they're, they're kind of our, they are mothers in a way, but it's not in the most obvious ways. And because of that, they can almost be overlooked and maybe even misjudged by, especially by Catholics who have a very static, like vocation kind of uh, mindset. Um, and maybe it's the way, the whole way we even talk about vocation, right? So you have the vocation prayer at the beginning of, of, uh, you know, at the end of mass, sometimes some churches have it like, you know, call forth yes. locations and, and it's kind of um, like, I don't know. I, I don't feel that like the people I know are, it, I guess the way I, I guess the lie I want to take away is it's, it's not like, well, a guy didn't ask to marry you and God didn't ask to marry you. So you get the scraps, you know? And I feel like, or like you're in the waiting zone, like you're in this limbo right now, like hopefully one day, you know, someone will reach out and pull you out of that little, that kind of limbo of being in no vocation. But, you know, while you're there, you have to work your butt off really hard just to make sure that you can prove to people that you're not just um, selfish or something. And I'm being really extreme, but um, I think that all of us, I mean, married, religious life, um, women who are, are not either married or religious. And I, I really have a hard time uh, saying the word single because I do feel like it's a, it's a place of relation. Like when I hear single, right? I think of somebody who's not in relationship, but I actually have experienced the people that I know that are like actively living the baptismal promises, right? Mm-hmm. As single people, they're always in relation. They're always in relation. In fact, they are more aware of self-giving relation that is out of their comfort zone than maybe sometimes even mothers are religious because they're not in a, in a category that's like, you know, secured by a habit or secured by children. Like people know what category you fit in. I have witnessed like that people that are single, they're like, how can I help here? Or where am I giving here? They're constantly going from one side to that they're basically working and I, I I've used the word grout before, but they're, they're filling so many of the cracks that nobody else is filling. And I think sometimes that's, it's very unseen. And um, sometimes like people can have an expectation that those things be done, but then not realize what that costs for someone as well. Like how, how they're giving of themselves or sacrificing, which can be hard. Right. Um, and then I think as well, though, that one of the reasons that happens is that when someone is single and, you know, like I can take a quiet prayer time with Christ without interruption. And also my heart is very aware of what's going on around me with other people. And that's one of the reasons I think single people can do that is that their heart has the time to reflect. And we also have time to do self-reflection as well. And then to um, bring our heart out to the world after we've reflected, if that makes sense. Right. So there's a contemplative aspect, maybe, that totally. maybe a mother of, you know, five 
or, you know, whatever, three, two, one, let's not count, uh, children, they might not have the time, right? The time, space, energy. It might just look different for them, but I do yeah. think there are a lot of mothers who are still contemplative, but it just, it just happens in a different way because of the rhythm of their life and um, they're lovely little people, you know? <laughs> right. And, and yeah. maybe that's what, that's what I really am desiring is that we can break down these false barriers that are between, mm. right? Because I think that sometimes we can look at religious and think they're the ones that are allowed to have this really intimate spousal relationship with Christ, but that's not always the case either. I mean, I believe that Jesus Christ is crazy enough to pursue so many hearts. And it doesn't matter if they're married, single, or even in religious life with that kind of a spousal love, like a love that is like, I want you completely. And that might, and we see, yeah. we have, we have, we examples that Conchetta, we have these like mystic uh, and mothers that are mystics and saints who have had families, but, but have known so much the closeness of God in their life. Right. So mm. I, th I think it's about breaking down kind of false falsehoods. Right. And so what, what do we know? Like in all vocations, like we're called to self-giving. Right. And, and, um, maybe it's really more evident. Like when I see a mother with children, it's very evident, right? It's very tangible, like how they're called in the moment to give themselves. Mm -hmm. When I see a religious sister, I see like the tangibility. I look at their habit and think belonging to God, right? When I see a single person, I don't think anything. <laughs> I mean, Which I think is sometimes the, what makes it difficult is that yeah. we are not always thought of and we are often forgotten. And not, not everyone has time or makes time to ask us how we're doing. Like I find I initiate a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And I'm thankful that I have a few people who call me on a regular basis to check in. But a few years ago, I didn't have that. And it can be very lonely and very difficult. Um, and like we still are in need of deep connection with people. And I think if I can just go on um, kind of on this topic, one thing I've really noticed with, with regards to how people talk about single people is that people talk about singleness. Um, okay, I'll just explain it this way. When, when we're in our 20s, and we're living out singleness and say we're like all at university, we're all single, we're all living as single people. Our interactions with one another, even though we're living separately, in a way are very like community-based or communal because right, everyone's right. single and everyone's doing all the fun things together and you're calling up your friends and you're hanging out and you're all focused on, you know, if you're in a Christian or Catholic circle, like growing in holiness and different things like this. But I just have to say that being single when you are 30 is, or older is completely different in the sense that most of the people that you know are married and they're focused on their family life, which makes sense. Um, and more and more people get married. And as people get married, you hear from them less because of the nature of the responsibilities in their life or because of the nature of um, you know, maybe they're moving to a different city or whatever, but then the people who are single and in their thirties, we often are invited to tons of events. Like I'm invited to like big events or fundraisers or stuff all the time. And even though right now I can't go to any of those things, 
Um, I often find myself invited to lots of huge events with large numbers of people, but lacking small group, deep connection on a regular basis in my hmm. life. And I'm really blessed to have like a women's group. We listen to a podcast and meet together once a month. Um, but I also initiated that because I saw the need for it, you know, and I do have the time to lead that and initiate it because I have the space and time to listen to the podcast in advance and do those kind of things. So, so in a sense, like my single, you're feeding the contemplative life of mothers. Yeah. I just <laughs> saw it right well, now. And single people. <laughs> but, right. But um, I just saw yeah. this channel and I know you're going to, you want to continue, but I just, and as, as you're speaking, I was watching like, so it's a, it's like a carrier of water to people who are thirsty, right? So in that time, because of your the rhythm of your life, perhaps you have this opportunity to prepare and 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 be somebody who's a vessel of feeding other people's space. So even that is is serving others as well. But I, I know that's not beautiful. Main, yeah, yeah. But but I think too, like um, yeah, like people often talk about singleness as if it's always the same as when you're in your twenties. And the fact right. is that when you're in your thirties, like there is a great loneliness and there is a lot of space and time. And there's also like a struggle with regards to like, I work full time and then I come home and then everything is on me to accomplish all on my own. And sometimes that's really overwhelming. Like there are days yep. when I just wish I could say to someone, Hey honey, can you shovel the walk and I'll wash the dishes and do the supper cleanup and then we can watch a movie together. And I know Esther, you and I have talked about this as well. Like sometimes in order to fully rest, you know, it's, it's sometimes in some circumstances easier to rest with another person. You were saying. Right. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause like, you don't want to, you don't want, you don't want to like, it's the difference between binging, right? Like when you're like mindless filling of time, which yes. we know is not good. Right. But if I want to have a restful time of, of like, okay, I'm going to be intentional, choose a movie, have a meal, you know, serve wine or whatever, that does not, um, like we have like never drink alone, right? Don't do this alone. So it's like, okay, all these things, these rules of things that like you can't really do alone. But, and, and, you know, I don't think it's good that man should be alone. I mean, even God said that, but, but the sense of like, when I'm watching a movie, like when I've set aside time with another it's so much easier to participate in that rest, right? Then if I was totally, you know, okay, Friday night, I'm going to go home and do this. It's not the same kind of rest. It's because, almost like honoring the time because there's someone else there too. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. I think what I, what I would love to, um, you know, I think about trust is my home and I'm in this, you know, I don't, I, I'm, you know, saying yes to God in each moment and, even people here, like, so, you know, what do you do in the rental house? Okay, you serve mothers, and, you know, like, they, they say, do, do, do this on your own, and, and right now, I mean, I guess at, there was a certain point when I was actually working with a family, and it was a really beautiful, really a beautiful partnership, because it was, um, it was a family, but, and so there's, like, that motherhood that, that is offered there, like, and then there was, but then there's myself who was like maybe my prayer life or having more time of reflection. So where I'm bringing in maybe the macro or the bigger picture, this mother is thinking about those, those little things that maybe I wouldn't necessarily think about because mm -hmm. I'm not on the ground. And I saw the complementarity of these two roles. But I think what has been hard Sorry. for me, 
like I think there is, and I really have felt like there is a need, like there is definitely a need right now. Even mothers, like I work with mothers. I know that oftentimes they feel like they're doing it alone. Right. So, so it's like, I know that even being there for mothers, that's been helpful. But I think what we're trying to say, like, or maybe even speaking today is, but it's not just a matter of disappearing, right? Within that, like, it's like, what is our place of belonging? So I will tell you that if any mother called me and needed my help, I would give that help in a second. I know. Yeah. And, and I, like, know, I know, and I know yeah. that you're as a teacher, like I know you pour out your love and your heart for all these students, and all these children, and especially those ones that are most forgotten, most weak and fine. I've seen you mother in that way, you know, and also with mothers, mm -hmm. my own sister. And so, so I see that. And I think that where, but like that feminine heart in us, I think that, that there's also that desire is like, is there a place also, like, can we start a deeper conversation about women who are not married to Jesus specifically within a religious community, number one, mm -hmm. or to a man, but are serving by the self-giving love? Can we open up a space in our society as we're going back to the domestic church, as we're talking about what it means to be community, to be family, can we start a, a true conversation about a large population, large population of people that are hidden and serving? And can we think about how they might be welcomed into belonging? Um, yeah, as they're giving. I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I know like there's different ways that I can give in my singleness um, to married people. Like I know like I, my one friend has um, five children and I watch their children overnight. So um, the husband and wife could go and have a, a night off and hang out for a couple of days on their own and it was such a gift to me I just loved being with the kids and it was such a gift to them to have that time away you know um but also like I remember one day um that same mom like calling me on a Sunday and being like hey Erin like I was just thinking of you and thinking like Sunday most people spend it with their families and you might be eating by yourself like if you want, you could bring over if you've already cooked like your food and eat with us. And I couldn't go over because I had another responsibility, but I like hung up the phone and I cried because I was just so thankful that I had been thought of, you know, because yep. I think the reality is there is a really large group of single people in the church. Like people are getting married later, but also, um, there's a larger group of single people in the church than I think there ever have been before in my opinion and it's just what I'm seeing like I probably know 40 to 50 holy single women who desire marriage or desire vocation in some capacity but aren't really sure where to go from what they're doing if that makes sense and right and I think it's I really think, really important for people that are married or in religious life not to look at that like oh look at these people they can't commit because I think Sometimes there's also that kind of an attitude towards that towards, or like the assumption that my life's easier, you know, yeah. like there are joys in my life that are beautiful and there are struggles that are agonizing and are such a deep ache. And I think that is true in any vocational call. That's true. Yeah. And I say to people, I'm like, 
we're looking over the white picket fence at another people's lawn or another person's lawn in a different vocation being like, oh my gosh, they haven't made. And I'm like, really? There's a lot of weeds over here. They just look like grass from far away. And I know that half of yours over there are also weeds, you know, right. you're struggling right. with. Um, and I think, I think we need to like change the way we are talking about it as well, because I find many people mention the easiness and the blessings of single life of which there are many, like I can get in my car after an event and drive away and I don't have to buckle anyone in and I have the freedom to do that. And I realize that that is a gift, you know, right. There's a lot of other perks like that, but there's also a lot of difficulties and hardships and it's like that for every vocation. And when right. we are looking at one vocation and comparing it to another and saying like, these people have it so much easier. It, it's not helping anyone. In fact, in the hiddenness of the single vocation because a lot of things we do are unseen right which is okay and we're willing to give right but like when we're already feeling not seen and not heard to be told like oh you can't have anything you struggle with is really hurtful right it's right really right right hurtful. like oh it's so much easier for you and you're like i you know one of the things that i i, I can say and i think maybe we could talk about just a couple of things that are difficult. I know for myself sometimes, like um, obviously at least where I am, holidays are very difficult. Yeah. Um, because families are connect, they're together. They're not going to, they don't, I think we like opening a consciousness of like thinking about like, who can we invite to, you know, can we include somebody into our family meal? And there is something really beautiful about families are really tight knit. But is there a way in which even in families, like as families, are we called to be generous as families and welcome others in? Not as pity either. Like, not like, oh, poor person. You don't have anyone. Like, you can bring your, your but like really in a sense of like, you're, you're also adding to the joy of this table. And you are treasured at this table. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes, you know, it can feel like, I just know, like, I guess two of the things I remember when I was a sister and actually when I was living with a family, there's some, one of the, the most important things to me is welcoming people home. It always was, it was such an important thing. It's like that the entrance from the coming out, you know, whenever out in the battlefield into the home, having someone who welcomes you in. Mm. And I think that like in the days where I've gone, maybe I went to like the hospital and I was with a family, like their, their child is suffering and they almost died. And then I come back. Like, and there's no person there necessarily. Like I do feel close to Christ. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's, but there's like missing that person of like, welcome home. Like where, like part of being welcomed home is that there's a person receiving. Right. And I, and I do believe there's a grace. I mean, even here at the Rudder House, there's such a grace of a presence of God, but let's be honest, you know, like having somebody who receives and like, I might, I hold a lot in my heart in the sense that I'm not going to almost like a confessional, right? Where you hear a lot of, of different people, their lives, but there needs to be a place of rest for us as well. Right. And maybe it's a friendship mm -hmm. or whatever, but what is that place of rest? And, and there's something really beautiful about getting off the battlefield and just like coming into the simplicity of a family Mm -hmm. um, where it's not about talking about what happened, but like, there's a kid bumping into you, you know, or like, it's so simple, but it, it brings you into the reality because you were out there on the battlefield 
but then you remember what it's all for, like what it's for and I, I remember when I was I was working mm. more closely with a family and living even with a family that in some of those most intense moments right is the children around that actually took me out of myself and that's not necessarily what I have right when you're when you are coming back to a, a quiet house and maybe that's some people like I would love not to have that but there's there is a blessing right in there's a blessing in being eaten alive by children there's a blessing in in the simplicity of childlikeness and um I know that as a teacher you experience children in, in your job but there is something about just unstructured play and it's kind of like the rhythm of a house or the chaos of a house even for a moment that just lets you rest and I think I there is there is a gift in like also having space alone like if you if you need to work through something you know and there is also a gift in the silence and there is a gift in eating alone but I do want to say too that eating alone for an entire year for every meal wears on you you know it's nice to have a quiet meal every once in a while but it is like I find in my personality it's it's very hard to eat alone all the time and not have conversation around the dinner table because that's something that I grew up with you know and that's a time of great connection and I, I do know a lot of single people really struggle with making good healthy meals and I think one of the reasons that is a struggle for many people is that putting their like Many of them would cook for other people and put in that time out of love. Right. Um, and of course, we need to heal to be able to do that for ourselves as well. But I think sometimes because it's just you, you're like, why would I put in all this time making this super fancy thing when I can eat, you know, a piece of chicken and some celery with some almond butter? <laughs> you know, it's not. Right. Anyway, so it's, it's interesting. There is a gift in the silence as well. But I, I think what you're saying is very true. Like, um, there's no one to say, Hey, are you okay? Or there's no one there to lighten the mood. If you need that, you know, there's and even draw you out of yourself. I mean, I think yes. that's, I think way too is... much time to think. <laughs> way too so, much time to think. so and I was actually, just as we were talking, it was hitting me that there's something about, there's something that is that if we can fully embrace, and this is like something to be fully embraced today in this moment, you know, it's not about like, Oh, look, it's so bad for us. Feels. It's like, no. I can embrace this fully and totally in this moment. But in that embracing, I feel like I might also be mapping out something that is true for every vocation. So totally. even, for a even for a religious, like in the end, you're going to have to face yourself. Even for mother, like once your children leave and your husband's gone, like and the house is empty, you're going to have to face yourself. And maybe if maybe the genius or the difficulty and the hardest, like who is the hardest person to face? Me. That's who it is. And that's the mm -hmm. truth. It is easier to be giving everywhere else and not face myself. It is mm -hmm. easy to be. And I, I know that I maybe mean, maybe we all know this a little bit better than we ever have because there was a way in which God slowed us down. But to spend time with yourself in silence is honestly, that's it's the actually ultimate. Hard. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. the ultimate, it's the ultimate, like, what is the battle? The battle is, is letting God win my heart and, and like not running away. Right. And maybe that's where, maybe that is part of the call for, for those who are living in these spaces and the rhythm of maybe more silence and solitude is to claim it 
for also for others as well, like to live it. Just like a, a religious sister is, is praying and offering for the church. There's a way in which I, I feel like single life is how do I redeem like down, strip down. Like, so when we say somebody is not, we're not supposed to be defined by what we do. Yeah. Right. So when I do come home, like in the end, in the end, that's really the call, right. Is to fully say, I am beloved. I'm beloved of God. I am fully beloved of the father. And who is the person I need to face the most? Me. And mm-hmm. what is the temptation to numb, to like spend that time in, in, um, so basically la- lack of like not being selfish when, um, so we can see it when we're out, outside of the house or when we're giving ourselves, right? How we're not being selfish or who we're giving to others. But when I do come home to an empty house at the end of a day, perhaps maybe for a, a wife, it's, it's welcoming their husband and, and connecting with him and, mm-hmm. and, and having those moments of silence together and working together for that charity. But for me, what is it? Not just mm-hmm. numbing out, not just watching something and sitting with myself and maybe inviting the Lord into that and letting him um, win my heart. Um, so like even in, in religious life, in family life, in single life, what's the ultimate thing? When uh, couples are fighting is usually because of a struggle. Like, where is the first disharmony? <laughs> the harmony between me and myself, right? So that fourfold harmony that's broken at the mm. fall. We, I talked about this at the very beginning of the podcast is my harmony with nature, right? Mm. My God, with self, with others. And single life is, is maybe working towards redeeming that harmony with myself. And that is hard work. And it's not navel-gazing. It's not navel-gazing. When it's like lived out well, it's very, very beautiful. And I have to say that I spent many years of my singleness serving and serving and serving. And like, I'll just give a small illustration of something in my own home. Like I remember going somewhere, helping a friend who's overwhelmed with dishes and cleaning their house and working full time and then coming home to my own home and having dishes just piled up because... I was helping so much elsewhere yeah. and I had to come to this place of recognizing that sometimes it's okay for me to stay home and do my dishes and that it's not selfish and that it is like time with Jesus, time with myself, time to take care of myself. And that I think in, in single life, like there's no one else there to take care of you and, or there's no one else there to say you're doing too much. So it can be really difficult to, like, especially, I feel like there is a conversation happening a lot in the church where it's like, if you're single, you're called to serve. Well, if you serve for too long without receiving, sometimes you can burn out, you know? And right. there is, there does have to be this, this balance and, and there does have to be, like, it, it's not selfish to take time to do things and, you know, not do my dishes hurriedly, just take the time to do them, pray while I do them or listen to music or whatever, because I used to spend my whole life rushing to help other people in my own home. And, and I don't think that's healthy, you know, and right. I didn't it's, even realize it was yeah. healthy. Right. Cause you, it's just the same. It's almost a way it's an escape from, from really facing ourselves in some ways with the Lord. Right. So, so you have those. We all have those struggles. Yeah. 
exactly yeah, different ways yeah right i mean i've le- i've lived it in every single like i've had the experience and taste of what it looks like in each vocation i've i've lived that i've seen how it is in religious life mm-hmm. and then living with a family i've seen how that can be escape i i've seen it where you know like you're just like wiping the tables like you're doing everything so that you don't have to receive that person in your life that you don't want to receive and so you use the tasks or the children as your buffer mm-hmm. zone maybe use the habit as your buffer zone maybe you use like oh i need to go pray but it's not necessarily prayer it's just a lack of desire to come, enter into communion so we're all called into communion, all of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the barriers, I mean, I'm called into communion. And maybe that's why I don't like the word single, because living the single life is not a life outside of communion. And nor and, should it be a life outside of community. Yes. Either. And so, yes. so what, what I guess, and kind of wrapping up, this is the beginning of a conversation. And and I, and I think that it's something that is a necessary a conversation, not just for you and I, but for the church and not because, oh, look, we have all these people that don't know how to commit. And so we should try to find a way to, to do with all these people now that are in the church that, that don't, can't commit to religious life or our married life, because I don't even think that's the case. I do think that there, we are, the generations that are coming right now, I mean, the ripple effect of the fall, right? And so many like um, gener- intergenerational you know, um, pains and sins and, and, and even abuses, right. Have broken several people in their, in, a, in their ability to give their life in a community that's either like religious life or married life. And, and we need I to just, reverence that. Yeah. Right. We need to reverence that. But I also want to say like, if, if you are one of those people who is struggling, um, with something that Esther just mentioned, um, I just want to give you hope in saying that Christ is a beautiful healer and that he can heal any wound that you have. Thank you. I'm that beautiful, beautifully said. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, thank you for stepping in to cut off help, hopelessness before it, <laughs> it set in. No, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, I think that's something that a lot of single people struggle with is the hope. Like there's a lack of hope because there's so much waiting. It just feels like an eternal waiting. And we have a hope in Christ. And it is important that our hearts, if, if we don't feel hopeful, it's okay to feel that way sometimes. But also um, to come back to Christ and trust that the hope will return. And if you could just kind of summing up, I was just trying to think about it. If there's one thing that you could say, are you, about or your desire in either like how people receive those who are living a life um, of single vocation and I don't have a better word for that yet but I was joking around I call it like I'm just a deo sexual like my, my sexuality is oriented toward God until he gives it to another right I mean I guess um, if I were to say like what was my greatest desire for single people is to for them to know the dynamic fruitfulness of their life today and not to think of it as something that is later on and hopefully, you know, one day it will come, you know, one day my prince will come. And, and then until then, you know, I'm just treading water that there is a dynamic and fruitful life giving motherhood. There's a dynamic and fruitful like daughterhood spousalness um, that is part of their life because every woman is called to be a daughter, a spouse, a mother, mm. a sister, and it has different expressions. It has different ways of looking. But I would really love in my heart to tear away that lie 
because I think mm-hmm. that once we start living in that, in that kind of sense of dynamic, like living in the Holy Spirit and that understanding of my, the fruitfulness of my life as I'm living it, God will take care of the rest. But if I think about it as these static categories and like I, one day I'm like the perfect formula is going to come down the line and I'll be able to make that decision. And then finally, finally, I will be someone, you know, finally I'll be this person that has made it. And actually on that note, you would ask like, what, what would I want to say, I guess, to single women? It, like, yeah, I think that or, was what you just asked. Yeah. Is, or what would you want to be known? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is that like, you are, you are worthy of other people's time. You are worthy of being seen. You are worthy of being cared for. You are worthy of being heard. You are worthy of being loved. And those things should not depend on your vocational state in life. And so if those are some things that you feel are lacking in your life, um, I encourage you to try to make connections with others. And maybe that means making some new friends, which I know is hard and gets harder the older you get. I get it. But if I had just stuck with the same people, like I'm really good friends with your sister, Esther, and she's just such a gift in my life. And um, I'm so thankful for her friendship. And if I had just kind of stuck with just certain people that I already knew better, then I would have missed out on a very blessed friendship that is just great, you know? And so I know that it's hard to always initiate. I get that. But you might need to initiate conversations and friendships and it may feel like you are always doing that um but somebody has to initiate you know so I would just love I was just thinking about how like the beauty of my sister being a a mother with children and I've seen how even her children love you and love it when you come by the house and um that beautiful kind of unity and I would love to have her like it would be kind of neat to hear from a mother like because I think a lot of this is about how we fit in right within the community and I think that there there is a place for single men and women around the table at in your homes and yeah and and they oftentimes aren't just like homeless people on the street like that's how you should think of them but but people who have been willing to like help you out and jump in and do something and but but more than that, you know, deserve maybe to, to know that they are, they do have a place. They do have a worth that like, basically, I think one of the greatest gifts I always had, like it has been a gift for me. And when it happens is always a gift. It's like when I go on a trip or when I, um, you know, giving, I come back at night, somebody's like asking me like, Oh, did you get back? Like text me that when you got back, because for me, it means like somebody cares enough that I'm alive. Yeah. And, and I think that I remember uh, the Lord was teaching me something and I was in another country by myself in a situation. And I was thinking about that was the place where I felt the most alone is that sense of like, if anything happened to me, and this is where God actually came through and said, I will always be there. But like, if anything happened to me, there's not a human person that cares enough to ask if I'm okay. And it, you would be amazed. You would be amazed. Like all of you married mothers and are those who maybe are really just like whatever vocation you're in, or maybe if you're single, it doesn't matter, but never underestimate the power of just words are like, um, 
I hope you're doing it. Or like, how are you? You know, I hope you're doing okay. Or I hope you made it home. You know, mm-hmm. like something that says like your existence on the planet is seen, you know, um, we need to be seen to fully exist. Jesus needs to be received to fully exist. Um, in the sense that, um, he came, he came to be received. Right. And we all carry that in us. We, we all need to be received. Mothers need to be received. I know there's mothers that feel like nobody sees them. So I, 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 I don't think yeah. that, I don't think this is like a, Oh, um, single people against mothers. I think this is like opening up a conversation of those basic human needs of each person. And how do we serve each other? How are we, how do we bless each other in that communion? And I, and I just think that very often we don't necessarily speak about women who are living a life kind of given to God, um, who are neither married nor are in religious life. And, and I think there was a great need to kind of highlight and, and maybe go deeper into how does that dynamic look within a community, within a church? You know, you're not just the super volunteer, right? but you're a volunteer that's, that's maybe there has a place of belonging there, not just because you work all the crazy hours, but also mm-hmm. because we just want to have you at our table. And um, all of us need belonging. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because from belonging becomes the greatest gifts. When we have a sense of belonging, and you can see this with children, you can see this with, when we know we belong, the most beautiful parts of us come out. That's true. That's very true. And so how do we, how do we work and give this to each other? And how do we kind of keep our eyes open the horizon? I, um, not just for the own particulars of our life, right? So you're saying even in friendship, like having a wider gaze always, because maybe God wants to surprise us. Is it Mother Teresa? Is it Mother Teresa that says that we draw the circle of family too small? I think it was her. I don't know. Um, well, that's a beautiful way. That's a beautiful. I just think that that, that kind of moving in, in kind of this return to domestic church, and I think you said it well, is like, what does, what does family look like now? And what does it mean to, to go after the widows and orphans, you know, um, with the heart of the father? Mm-hmm. And um, maybe some there's... Our, some of our single people are feeling like orphans. And yes. they aren't orphans, but they feel that way because they don't have the place, you know? Yeah. So maybe tonight, and maybe it's, there's somebody that's in your mind or if you're listening to this during the day, that's the same, but your mind or heart and they come to your mind as someone that maybe you just need to text or reach out to. Um, And it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, someone who's single. It could be a mother that you're like, you know what? I never check up on how that mother's doing. Whoever Mm -hmm. God puts in you, whatever the Holy Spirit, because I feel like the Holy Spirit does if we are, the more attentive we are, like he's amazing in his timing. And like, I have how many times, like when you respond to those promptings and that person's like, I needed to hear from you in this moment because God is real and he knows how to prompt our hearts, um, you know, in a deep way so that we reach with his love for others. And so it's just, I, I guess, ending ending this this evening I, I would just like to say a prayer that maybe in whatever state of life we are in solid liquid gas you know um <laughs> that maybe that's what it is oh my gosh okay before I, family life that's solid single life liquid 
religious life gas there you go because you're like <laughs> floating up to heaven and like <laughs> single life is like go you just fall through all the cracks you know liquid you know i'm just following the cracks. you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry just the amazing things that come to my mind right at the last minute right sorry like grade five <laughs> science tangent <laughs> awesome come well, holy spirit <laughs> thank you for what state of life do you live i'm a gas <laughs> I think, we need, I think we need to make humor of these things because sometimes oh. they get too much. But Lord Jesus, we thank you that you care about every single person. You do. You see us and you love us and you call us first and foremost the belonging. We pray that we might be instruments of calling people into the belonging that you have already given. That there is enough love. That, Lord, even like that in families, that, that mothers know there's enough love. That opening up their homes even for another, it's not a lack so often there's so many mothers are tired <laughs> and it's just like the urgency of the moment that by opening up even no matter who we are whether we're single religious or married that when we open our hearts more flows in and it's not there's 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 enough love there's enough love that we don't have to hoard love so lord we thank you that you pour out love over all of all of your church we thank you that tomorrow in Canada and the United States that, that we are, that these countries will be consecrated to Mary, mother of the church, and, and that the motherhood of the church, it will be accentuated, that we don't go back to the church the same, that we don't go back to our parishes the same, that our awareness, our awareness of motherhood, the motherhood of the church and the fatherhood of God increases in our lives as we seek and look around for those we can call into belonging. Pray that the Holy Spirit might inspire each of us in new ways of how to open our hearts and our homes to others in a deeper sense of belonging. Thank you for the way that you have built each of us and, and created each of us with a purpose that is most like is realized by belonging and that we might speak words of life and belonging to those around us. Say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed are thou among women, and blessed, and blessed is the fruit, is the of, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me and having this conversation. I'm uh, super which, glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a beginning. And uh, when I mean it's a beginning, I think that it's a conversation that we will continue to be having and I think the church will have continue to have as we uh, go deeper as a church of, of trying to really discover what it means to live vocation not as a static thing mm -hmm. but as something that is like you're saying that like to to be fully a saint and to be open to God's will no matter how radical it is and to know that his love is enough mm -hmm. that if we come to an empty house it's never empty because he comes before us and so uh we thank thank Jesus for his healing graces and that he is calling each of us into deeper healing, wholeness and unity. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your eating. And I hope we didn't cut too much into your school planning time. <laughs> Not a problem. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.